Radio. The transmission and reception of electromagnetic waves on radio frequency, especially those carrying sound messages, or the activity or industry of broadcasting sound programs to the public. Fanboy. A male fan, especially one who behaves in an obsessive or overexcited way. This is the Radio Fanboy Podcast, and here's your host, Bevo. Something different today, we're delving into the world of talkback radio and a guy that's made a big name for himself right across this big brown land of ours. His name is Steve Senatiempo. Hopefully I got that right. And he's at 2CC Breakfast these days. How are you, Steve? Very well, Bevo. How are you, mate? Not too bad. Nation's capital, mate. It's it's all happening in uh, Canberra, isn't it? It is. It's um, if, kind of... Look, I spent a lot of time in Canberra about 20 years ago and probably in the last 15 years haven't been here much, but it's a really good place to live and a really good place to do radio. It's good that you're using the Twitter too to find out uh, where the best things are around town. Your listeners are helping you get acquainted with the area. Well, absolutely. I mean, see, the bosses think I'm doing it to actually uh, increase the listenership, but I just... <laughs> I don't know where I can get a good pie. <laughs> where, where, where was that, by the way? I'm quite interested in case I come down next oh, time. Look, it's, it's very hard to get a definitive answer. I, I found the best bread, though. I haven't got the best pie yet, but there's a great bread place called uh, Three Mills Bakery near the airport that um, it's ridiculously expensive, but, gee, the bread's good. Oh, good. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, good bread is hard to find these days, and if you can yes. find it, stick with it. So where did you start your radio career? I mean, you've, you've won numerous awards over the years. We, we, we've all started somewhere. Yeah, well, I guess if you want to go back to the very beginning, I did about 12 years worth of community radio at Radio Skid Row in Marrickville in Sydney. Yep. Um, and just uh, literally stumbled into that. A mate of mine was doing a, a Monday night, uh, for the lack of a better way of putting a, com- a conservative rant show, and I went there to pick up another mate one day and just kept going back every Monday after that. And oh, yeah. um, I um, look, radio is something I always wanted to do. I was working in the auction business at the time, and um, I just never knew how to get into the business. And I'd spoken to a few people here and there. And the journey probably really started when I auditioned to do a TV show that Simon Townsend was putting together called Rich and Famous. And if you can imagine Beauty and the Beast with a whole panel just bagging out celebrities and stories (laughs) about them in magazines. And I was supposed to be the grumpy right-wing guy. Oh, yeah. Um, Unfortunately, the show never went ahead, but I actually met Murray Wilton, who was the nighttime host at at 2GB at the time. And he said, look, if you ever want to come in and do work experience with me, you're welcome. And I sat in with him for about a year, and he said, look, if you want to be fair to income about this, you need to go to afters. And I said to him, what's an afters? Um, He explained to me it was the Australian Film, Television and Radio School, and I was working full-time at the time, so I couldn't do it. But uh, fast forward a few years, and I uh, was working in the building game, and I got made redundant when Kevin Rudd's uh, Pink Bat scheme went belly up. Oh, yes. And I thought, well, now's the time to do it. So I um, I rang this afters mob, and they said, well, you need to fill out this application form. And they send you out this the most arduous application <laughs> process in the world, basically prove that you don't need to come here first, and then we'll let you in. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, put the uh, application together. And it was a three-stage process and managed to somehow get through every stage of it and ended up there in uh, 2010. I graduated in 2010 and then started oh, – I actually got the job just before graduation at 2HC in Coffs Harbour, which was my first commercial gig. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So, so has it always been talkback radio or have you been a music jock as well? No. I, well, look, I've done a – obviously, you do a bit of hybrid work when you're out working out in the bush. but. Yeah. 
I've always wanted to do talkback. So in, in Coffs, we were playing, you know, four or five songs an hour, yeah. but it was predominantly talk. And then from there, I spent 18 months there and moved to 2NM in Musselbrook, where I spent five and a half years doing more talk, but again, playing, you know, sort of four or five songs an hour. And then from there, ended up at Triple M uh, doing their national night show, uh, where we were playing four songs an hour and doing mostly talkback. How did you get into Triple M and end up doing the National Night Show? Because that's always intrigued me. Because that was out of Newcastle, is that right? Yeah, I, I did it out of Newcastle. Originally, they wanted me to do it out of the Gold Coast, but it just it came about one day. And it was ironic that I was starting to get jack of my time in Musselbrook. I was getting a bit stale. Not a bit stale, but starting to get a little bit antsy with management and you know things weren't going the way I really wanted it to go and out of the blue uh, Mickey Mars PA uh, a girl called Lucy Mellor got in contact with me and said Mickey I'd like to have a chat to you um, and I said sure and that was about the time of the Acras in uh, 2017 I think and um, yeah he rang me the next week and we had a bit of a chat he said we're looking at putting a, a nighttime talk show together and you're the guy we want oh wow and, um, it's easy as that <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was about to jump and they made me an offer. Well, they made me an offer and I said it's not enough and they came back with an offer the very next day that was more than plenty. So oh, um, good. the deal was done in about two days. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So, so when it comes to Talkback Radio, is there a few things that you sort of do to poke the bear and get a reaction from the listeners? Yeah, you do. Yes, there is, but I, I don't know that I'd go so far as like if you go back to some of the legends, like John Pierce always used to say, you know, pick the three main stories out of the Sydney Morning Herald, uh, out of the Daily Telegraph, and um, think about which way your audience is going to go, and then just take the opposite tack, so they'll all ring up and abuse you. I I was never like that. I mean, I always try to be a bit more authentic, and any anything I've ever expressed on air has been one hundred percent what I believe. But you've still got to pick and choose those topics that you know the audience is interested in. I mean, it's like any other radio. Yeah. If you're not doing it for the audience, well, you might as well, you're wasting your time. Yeah, they, they always say on um, Talkback Radio, you've got to have a one-eyed view and then, you know, you, you just the listeners t- either take a side or they're against it and that's how you generate those calls. Yeah, to an extent, but then you can also be honest and say, look, I don't really know where I sit on this. This is where I think I sit, but what do you think? And, you know, and let the listener drive you. And, and quite often I've changed my mind about a, a topic uh, based on talkback callers. And what are some of the things you're picking up in Canberra there? What, what do people like to talk about there? Well, the biggest issue, I, I mean, look, nostalgia is always a bit, whenever you're doing talkback, if you talk about nostalgia, people love talking about the old days. But the biggest issue here is cost of living. People are, are really struggling in Canberra at the moment. And yeah. Because it's, um, it's such a heavy public service town there's kind of like half the population that's forgotten and they're they're the the half of the population that we're trying to look out for actually i will go one step further than that but like you know for instance uh, businesses we're very very close to the new south wales border obviously um no matter where you go in canberra you're close to new south wales yeah businesses are fleeing across the border because we had one tradie tell us that he was saving eighty thousand dollars a year in government charges by working 20 minutes away because one of the things about living in Canberra is uh, you don't actually own the land. You've got to pay like a lease. Is that how it works? Or yeah, as far as strange? I understand, I'm, I mean, I'm only renting, but yeah. it's, uh, yeah, it's all crown. Uh, from what I understand, it's all crown land. So yeah. they're crown leases rather than freeholds. Yeah. So have you done all the uh, touristy things uh, since going to Canberra, you know, going up to no, Telstra Hill and so forth? Not yet. I, uh, I look out my balcony and I have the best view of Telstra Tower uh, straight out my bedroom window. Yeah. Uh, but I haven't been up there yet. I, I haven't had a chance to do all that kind of stuff here because I'm still settling in. Um, I've been here for two months now. But um, <laughs> I did say to my producer yesterday, I said, I've got to get out 
either this weekend or next weekend and start doing all that touristy stuff that yeah. locals don't do. Yeah. You know, it was, I, I, used to, I grew up in Sydney and I remember one of my mates and I, we were about 16 at the time, and during the school holidays, we thought, well, let's go and do all the touristy stuff that as locals we've never actually done. <laughs> you know, go up Sydney Tower and that kind of thing, you know. What else is there? There's, there's the adult shops. Everyone goes to Canberra for the adult shops, the fireworks. Um, no, well, see, the, see, these are myths. The fireworks have been gone for about 20 years oh, or more than no. 20 years. Um, and the adult shops, well, the town where they used to be or the suburb where they used to be, Fishwick, is a bit um, – it's the industrial area. Yeah. And it's really hit hard times because oh, of no. it's just too expensive to do business in Canberra. Oh, right. And what yeah. else? What, is there anything to do with um, growing your own marijuana or something there? Oh, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure there is now because it's legal. But um, – <laughs> Um, yeah, there's Questacon, there's the uh, old Parliament House and the Museum of Australian Democracy, there's the Arboretum, there's Telstra Tower, yep. there's the National Zoo. Yep. Um, new Parliament House is, is always an eye-opener. I've, I've, I have been up there a couple of times since I've been down here um, just to catch up with some old political friends. Um, but I, most of what I've been doing is checking out all the, the decent food joints. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good restaurant scene. I and mean, what's been the favourite so far, Steve? I mean, uh, you, you're in a, you've got Italian background, so you, you yeah. would have checked out your passes and your pizzas. Absolutely, there's a really good Italian place in the in uh, Civic, which is the main uh, CBD called uh, Metalera. Uh, I was tipped off by a mate of mine in Sydney to that place, and the food was spectacular. Uh, and then I found a really good Italian deli on the south side of town called Tutto, and. Um, I live on the north side, and people tell me you're not supposed to. If you live whatever side of the lake you live on, you don't go to the other side of the oh, lake. Oh, serious? Come on! And, like, it's a twelve-minute drive. And yeah, no. we can't. We can't believe you go that far. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I used to live in um, Cooma. I started my radio career at Two XL. So coming up to Canberra for the weekend, that was like, whoa! This is intense. There's yeah. Shops and everything. <laughs> But it just amazes me, like, you know, 15, you drove 15 minutes to buy a loaf of bread. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to get out and see your town. You're you're, you're broadcasting everyone, not just the north side of the river. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. So what does the future hold for you, Steve? I mean, you've you've landed in Canberra, been there two months. There's been a a worldwide pandemic. Which kind of made it difficult because, as you know, I I was made redundant at Triple M. Yeah. Well, about the same time you were. So, um, and then the pandemic hit. So it made it really difficult uh, in that short term. But look, I I can see myself staying here for quite a while. I mean, I know that the radio industry doesn't see Canberra as a capital city. Yeah. Uh, We're a regional town, but the people of Canberra don't think that. Uh, As far as they know, we are the nation's capital. And Exactly right. You know, my aim has always been to, to do talk back in a capital city and, well, the capital is good enough for me. Do you feel like you're talking more about politics seeing you're there in Canberra and you have more, uh, I guess, easier access to the pollies? Yeah, look, it's it's unavoidable. But then again, I mean, it might, it's unavoidable because of my nature too. So yeah. um, it's the stuff I love to dig my teeth into. But, but I always, you know, I've always sort of, a lot of people in radio want to be the next so-and-so, you know, the next yeah. Hamish and Andy or the next Kyle Sandilands or whatever. I've never wanted to be that. But yep. if I've modelled myself on someone, it would have to be John Laws. Yep. And from a perspective of, you know, John Laws balanced out a good show where some of it was entertaining, some of it was hard-hitting. You know, then he'd be saving somebody from, you know, committing suicide in the third hour and then telling some woman how to fertilise her uh, lemon trees. Yeah. You know, at five to nine. So uh, that's how I try to structure a show. So there's there's a little bit of something for everyone, and it's not three hours of angriness or three and a half hours now. Yeah, that's that's exactly yeah. right. Let's uh, let's take a trip back again to um, when you were doing the national night show um, on Triple M. Yep. Coming up with prep ideas, did you kind of have to look at 
all the national stories, like in each individual town, and see which one had the most weight? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, but I see. I guess my greatest skill and the thing I've always prided myself on in radio is being able to take a national story and make it local. Oh, yes, and yep. So basically, what I had to do is the, the same thing in reverse. So you take a local story and, and make it national. And from the perspective that, you know, something that affects somebody living on the Gold Coast is no different to what somebody in Newcastle might be feeling. Yeah. If you're in Bendigo, you're probably facing the same issues as somebody in Bathurst. Yeah. So, you know, it, it was about tailoring those things there and and know, getting to know the towns in your listening audience. And, and it was tough because it was 30... 38 stations at one stage. Oh, is that all? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so you had to you had to kind of be across all of those areas to know that, well, hang on, this story is not going to matter to that that group of people. Yeah. So you, you've somehow got to tailor it so that you're talking to the people that it does matter to, but keeping the other other group interested as well. Yeah, it's it's quite fascinating how your mindset has to be. Did you ever get the shakes before you did your first break, knowing that it was going to thirty eight stations across Australia, or is it just like doing any other radio show? Yeah, well, I get the shakes before every every show. I, I mean, I've always you know been of the view that if you're not nervous before you do a radio show, you're not your heart's not in it. Yeah. That's exactly right. It's that um, fight, flight, what do they call it? Fight or flight feeling? Exactly, yeah. And you're about to, you know, put the boxing gloves on and go out and give the performance of your life? Yeah, that's right. What what sort of rules do you put on yourself in terms of um, going out and and putting a show together? Do you, obviously colour would come into mind, I would imagine? Yeah, I mean, the the big thing is, the first thing is don't be self-indulgent. The show is not for you. Um, yeah, you've got to enjoy it, but that's why you do it. So it's got to be for your listeners. And the second thing is, is and a lot of people disagree with me when I say this, because, you know, the first thing they teach you when you get into radio is if, you, if something goes wrong, nobody dies. But yeah. I have this view, I, I come in every morning with the aim of doing a better show than I did yesterday. And if I don't, I'm angry with myself. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when I say angry with myself, I'm not talking I beat myself up, but I walk out of here frustrated that we didn't quite make it as good as yesterday's show. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what drives me to make sure that the next show is better again. Yeah. And what about uh, all the awards that you've won over the years? What what, what were they for? I can't – I remember seeing um, some photos and a cigar in one photo as well. Yeah, well, there's a, it's, a, it's an annual thing, yeah, the cigar and the cigar and acro photo, yeah. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I, I do love a good Cuban cigar and a, and a single malt whiskey. Um so I won, uh, I won best newcomer in 2011. So I started yep. in 2010. Yep. Won best newcomer in 2011. 2012 was a dry year. I got nominated for best talk presenter and won nothing. Yeah. Then um, since then I've won three best talk presenter awards, two best current affairs. Wow. I've won the Brian White Memorial Award and then uh, back to back best network program for Australia by Night on Triple M. And then I got sacked. Yeah. So- <laughs> That's the way radio rolls, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> We've all been there and done that. So do you have a pool room uh, proudly displaying these trophies or are they uh, just sort liquor, of locked away? A liquor cabinet. Uh, just, yeah, a liquor cabinet, fair yeah, enough. That's right. right next to your top shelf whiskey, I would imagine. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> Steve, thank you so much for uh, chatting to us today on the Radio Fanboy Podcast. Uh, I'll have to tune in. You've got streaming and stuff going on there for TWC. Yeah, we Cameron? do, yeah. Yeah, um, a big, uh, big listenership in Sydney. My family all tune in every morning, so yep. uh, we know it works. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Thanks, Steve, for uh, joining us this morning on the Radio Fanboy Podcast. Good on you, Bebo. Thanks, mate. The Radio Fanboy Podcast, hosted by Bevo and produced by Matt Fulton Productions. Dan Hill speaking.